We're going through our ser- uh, series, uh, Words to Live By, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Let me encourage you again. Let me encourage you again. I'm wandering about and I'm not stood in front of the monitor. Rain it in, Ash. Please read along at home um, if you get a chance. If you want to jump into a life group, um, the life groups are going through um, the Sermon on the Mount with us as well. It's good to jump along and do that. Um, so, yeah, read along, listen back to some of the previous talks. Last week it was on worry, it was a gut wrench for me. This week it's another killer for me, it might be a killer for you. It's about, so just read this in, soak this in, it's about being judgmental. It's about being judgmental. So a couple of things right off the bat about being judgmental. First thing is it's so easy to be judgmental. Is anyone watching uh, I'm a Celebrity and Matt Hancock at the moment? How do you not be judgmental about about that? Uh, I was uh, at a conference in Blackpool. and I booked my hotel about two miles away from the Winter Gardens, which is where we were staying, which is like a, a lovely walk in the daytime, two miles along the front. At nighttime, I feared for my life as I was walking, walking back. Again, I've been a little bit judgmental about Blackpool, but as I walked back, I encountered these loads of these like, guys on the scooters coming along with like, the, just, just their eyes coming like that. When, you, when, you're, you know, when, you, when you're a vulnerable guy and you're walking on your own along Blackpool, this is a, this is a scary thing. Kids... Kids started to draw fear to me. And anyway, as I got to the end of my walk with the hotel in sight, I saw what looked like, as the path sort of narrowed in front of me, what looked like a huge, big, silhouetted character. And my heart sort of sank. And I, I, I did, I don't know if you've ever done this, when you're walking to somebody in the street where you kind of toughen up. I thought, then this, this guy was in my way and he wasn't moving. And I sort of psyched myself up and I, and I thought, this, you know, this guy's looking for trouble. This guy's looking for a fight. He's one of these scallywags. And I got up to him. And do you know what he was? It was the nicest, gentlest looking, like older chap that I've ever seen that's clearly just gone out to get himself a pint of milk late at night. And I totally, like in my fear, and maybe in my confusion, and out of my familiar circumstances, I totally judged him. Like it was a bit of a case of mistaken identity, but I just really judged him. It's, it's not easy not to judge people. Judgment, the other thing I would say is judgment is, is rife. Anyone else on Twitter? Do you go on Twitter? You just need to look on Twitter to see how much of a problem judgment is. Or stand in a queue, listen to people gassing. Or just stop and consider your own thoughts for a few minutes. See what comes out as you reflect on your social media feed. Judgment, being judgmental, it's like rife. It's like a cultural issue, I think. At, we are at our best when we are not judgmental. That's the last little observation I want to say. We do some horrible stuff when we are judgmental. It's blooming ugly. But we are at our best when we are not judgmental. What am I meaning by being not, not being judgmental? It's not, and this is what Leo Tolstoy said when he read this passage, it's not that there's no justice. It's not that there's no need for us to look and assess people. It's not that everything is tolerable and okay. It's that we see people, check this out, it's that we see people rightly and fairly, without sort of prejudged prejudice, with some grace and with compassion, on a level with them, is that we see people fairly. So Jesus is giving this talk, the Sermon on the Mount, and he is looking out at the start of this birth of the church, this new community of his believers, and the leaders that are going to lead it, and he says to them, we have got to see, maybe even... I think definitely looking at what was in the past and what the church had done, 
and seeing there maybe hypocrisy in the leadership and, and the, way that, the way that the religious leaders have looked at people and he says, we have got to see people. Just think about if you're somebody that's able to do this. This is, some, this is like a rhythm of your life that we see people fairly, that we see them fairly, that we see them rightly. And what he does in this little text, I think I picked out three because that's my way into it, just picked out three. He gives us ways to, ways to do that. Ways, to, ways, ways for our brains to function so that we can think about how we might do that, how we might see people fairly. It's not like formulaic. I think Jesus is more like he's saying, think about these things. Put, put, put things in this order and see if you can see people fairly. So first of all, it's, it's first one and two. That's where we're going to start. The first thing I, that I think he says to us is, to see people fairly, you need to know justice is universal. To see people fairly, you need to know justice is universal. So uh, chapter, uh, verse 1 and 2, don't judge or you two will be judged in the same way that you judge others. You'll be judged. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. He's getting on at the religious leaders. I think he's, he's getting on at them. He's, he's definitely got them in his mind. He's, he's got the religious leaders who had taken this thing, the law, this beautiful thing, the law, and put it on stilts, raised it up, raised it up, and I think Jesus intimates this, to a level that even they couldn't keep up to. They set themselves up as like being superior. superior. They, they, raise this, they raise the level of the law, stick it on some stilts, and then, and you, saw, you can see this in and amongst it, they obsess, they are pernickety about keeping it with the people. And the outcome of this, you see this in the Old Testament, it's ruinous. It's ruinous for the hearts of the leaders, and it's ruinous for the people who can't see God obsessing. It's a, I think this is a great definition of what it means to be judgmental as, as we sort of gaze on these religious leaders. People who set themselves up as, and I am wincing as I say all of this because I'm definitely a worrier last week, but I've also got, oh man, I've also got some of this as well. Definition of people that are judgmental, they see, they see themselves as superior. Do you know anyone, anyone that does a little bit of that, that thinks themselves superior? They set a bar Set a bar that even they can't keep. Oh, man, that is me. And then they get really pernickety and obsessive about how everybody else keeps up to that bar. You know anyone, anyone like that? From experience of my life, from the mess-ups, from the season of being judgmental, seasons of being judgmental, I know a couple of things, a bit of, bit of shared wisdom. It can take over. Like it becomes a mindset. You get judgmental about a few things, but you, you don't just normally, in my experience, you become a judgmental person. That was a little bit of what happened to me. You become judgmental. It, it, it ruins your insides. Like it blackens your soul. Jesus hates it. He hates it when we're judgmental. And it's, it's like a toxic thing. Do you know what I mean? If, if it starts to, especially when it starts to spread and grow, which I think it does, it seems to grow legs, judgment, judge, people that are judgmental, it sort of forms movements, does it? It's really, like it's really damning, it's really toxic. It's when we're absolutely at our worst. And I would look out now at our society, when I look on my Twitter feed and when I see how we view our celebrities and we see how we view our leaders and we see how we view each other, and I would say that we are like, like we, we're loaded with judgment. And I think like we, I think anyway, that we're choking in it. What's, what's the antidote? When I first read verse 1 and 2, I thought it, it looks a bit like karma when I first read it. Don't judge 
or it'll come back your way. I don't think that Jesus is saying that. I think what Jesus is saying is you need to know, you who pernicatously, that's definitely a word, don't check it. You, you, you need to know, who, you people who observe the law, who hold everybody else to it, that you too, you too are going to be subject to the highest judgment. You too are going to be subject to the highest judgment. I think it's a little bit like, do you know when, this is a bit of a yeah, family-based illustration, do you know when kiddie number one and kiddie number two there's no parents in. Kitty number one and kitty number two. Kitty number one, kitty number two, that sort of size. Going at it, big time. No parents in, just going for it. Going, going loudly at it. You know, there's an injustice happened. Kitty number three, is about this size, comes in and sort of observes and thinks, thinks for a second, maybe I'll interfere here. Maybe I can remedy this. But like, as, as they sort of dig around and get into the investigation, sort of realizes, I don't know if that's going to happen. But then it drops how you resolve this situation. Anyone know how you resolve this situation? What do you say? Your parents, your mum and dad, mum and dad will be coming home soon. Do you know what happens when you say mum and dad will be coming home soon? It's that higher level of justice. Kitty number one, kitty number two, kitty number three, they've all got to get their house in order. Nobody, get, nobody gets a break. Everybody recognizes that there's going to be some fault. All the kiddies think, oh, I'm bound to have done something wrong because that's just the way it is and I know that my mum and dad are a higher level of justice. I think we like to think that we're near the top. I think that's our default position. That we're near the, like we've got a bit of a, a bird's eye view of what it means to be just. We, like we sit above everybody else. And I think one of the things that God says to us through his words is, it's like you're all sinners, you all fall short of the glory of God. He says, you need to know when you think you're up here that actually you're all somewhere down here. The wisdom I think is, that sort of protrudes out of, of this thing that Jesus gets us to think about. When you know what you put on others is put on you, you put less on others. Jesus, first thing he does, I think he gives us a bit more of a balanced view. That's the first thing. To see people fairly, you need to know that God's justice is universal. God, God can't help that. Do you know, like our justice can sometimes come from one of our perspectives. God's justice it's timeless, it's perfect, it just comes across the board. He sees us all exactly how we are. Second thing, to see people, to see people fairly, and I really I love this. This, is the, this, is, this bit of the Bible, I think it's the nearest bit to like slapstick comedy. Jesus, Jesus is de- he's telling, he's giving a, an example here and he's determined that we are not going to turn away from this. We're maybe even going to laugh. We're going to get carried along, carried along with it. To see people fairly, you've got to be able to see yourself as you are. To see people fairly, to see them rightly, to give them a chance, to have that level of compassion, to not prejudge them, you've got to to be able to see yourself first. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust? So just soak this in. I think it's like Charlie Chaplin-esque. It's like a sketch. Jesus, I imagine has got his audience and he's, like, he's got belly laughs and he's, and he's got them on the, you know, the edge of a string, so to speak. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? It's like a farcical picture, isn't it? You've got this guy with a speck in his eye. Is it a bit of a risk? It's a speck in your eye. It's not the end of the world, but it's your eye. 
You want to get that sorted out, don't you? And he's sort of looking around, who's going to help me? Who's going to come to me aid? You want somebody who's like with a keen eye. You want somebody who's got delicate hands, don't you? That's what you want. Maybe some rubber gloves. There won't have been many rubber gloves in these days. But who comes to the rescue? <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. I, I, I can see people laughing along. It's the guy with a plank in his eye. This is what Jesus says. Brilliant, isn't it? Guy with a plank in his eye. And the guy with the speck in his eye is like, well, this is... This seems a lot more tolerable now that there's a guy with a plank in his eye coming towards me. Yeah, you can jog on, mate. You can imagine that's what he's saying to him, can't you? I don't need you. You need to go and sort yourself out. First, there's a plank in your eye. You can't help me here. First thing that spr- sprung to mind when, when I was reflecting on plank in your eye um, is our good friend, uh, Mr. Boris Johnson, who's great for sermon anecdotes. Do you remember, not, not that long ago, he told us to stay in and not to fraternize. And we listened. And we thought, this is the right thing to do. And then we saw that he didn't stay in. And he did fraternize. And when we saw that he did that, we realized, British public collectively, he, he couldn't really see us right. He'd stopped being able to see us right. He couldn't help anymore. He needed to he needed to sort himself out. He had, a, he had a plank in his eye. Jesus gives us this, like a really vivid pick because he wants us to see. He wants us to be challenged by the fact that we can be really blind. We can have a plank in our, in our eye about how right we think we are. We can be really self-righteous and we can be blind to it. We can be loaded up with pride and we can be blind to it. And this can make us really well, what's the illustration tell us? Really useless, quite stupid, misguided. And the best thing for us to do, this is what Jesus is saying, if you want to see people fairly, if you, have, you want to have a compassionate heart, if you want to see people on the level, see what he says to do? You need to start by taking the plank out of your own eye. You need to do some self-reflection. You need to go away. Big message of the Bible, isn't it? Salvation, what is salvation? It's realizing, I think, that you are part of the slimy mess that is sin. It's not everybody else or it's not just everybody else. You are in there as well and you take a look inside. Here's the wisdom, I think, from that. If you're able to stop, if you're able to do it, if you're able to be a person who who sees themselves for what they are, I would say like a sinner on some level, notice the, the mess and the rubbish in your own life you'd be slower to point the finger at other people. You'll see people more fairly. That's, that's two. Third one. Third one is the last one. And it's a total curveball. And I thought for a couple of days, don't think I'm going to preach on this because I've said it, but I'm not really sure what it means when I've said it. Do you know when you, were you listening to the reading? Did you hear something about pigs and dogs? Did you, did you listen to that? Did you gloss over? Did you think... What was that? There was a mention of pearls and pigs and dogs. What's that about? Are you familiar with that phrase? Don't throw your pearls to swine. Have you, have you thrown it out there before? This is, this is brilliant, but it, gives us, it really gives us something to think about in terms of how we see people fairly. It's a total curveball, and you can't duck it because Matthew said, these two come together. These are parallel statements. These, these rub off against each other. These leave us with something to think about. When he's talking about dogs... And pigs. Pigs, I think, pepper pig straight away. Anyone else think that when you think of a pig? Something quite nice. Bit of a fan of pigs. Dogs, pets. That's what you're thinking. Nice pets. They know what to do in the house. They're not going to make a mess. Your friends. 
Man's best friend, that's what we think, isn't it? That's not, that's not first century Jerusalem dogs. Dogs where they were, like some of them I think were, were like pets, but they were all pretty wild. You didn't mess around with them. Pigs, from the commentaries that I can read, they were more like, like wild boars. You know, off Asterix, did you watch Asterix? Or read Asterix, like just, they go for you. They, they, this is what they were like. And you've got some pearls in your hand. And these wild boars and these, these dogs, they're not looking for, they're not going to see if you give them a pearl. They, they want it, they, I think what Jesus is getting at is these things just want fed. They just want something to eat. That's what they know. That's their life. You give them a pearl, even though it costs a fortune, even though it's really valuable, the pig's not going to look at it and think, right, I'll take that down to Pornbro because that'll get me a year's worth of great pig food. He's not going not to do that journey, is he? He's going to bite on it. He's going to chew on this pearl. Then he's going to look up at you that's given him this pearl, even though it costs a lot of money, and he's going to be raging mad because it's like, this isn't something nice. This is wrecking my teeth. And he's going to, this is what Jesus says. You've got to watch that because he's, he's going to come for you. What the heck is Jesus saying? What on earth is that about? There's a clue. I think the biggest clue is what? The thing that sort of helped me get a handle on it is the pearl. Are you familiar with the parable of the pearl of great price? Do you know that story? It's a great little story in the Bible about the kingdom of heaven. Somebody finds the pearl of great price. It's what Jesus says. Somebody finds the kingdom of heaven. God's perfect peace and rule and reign gets totally blown away by it. And what do they do? They sell everything that they have. They sell it all because they recognize how amazing this thing is. They recognize how stunning it is. They flog everything because they, they this, and this is a human being, remember, and they go, I've got, to, I've got to have this. They're blown away by this. Do you see, do you see the contrast in these two stories? Some people see the kingdom of heaven, this brilliant thing, and they get it. They hear the good news about Jesus, they see what's on offer, and it makes sense to them. And they'd, they'd get rid of everything to grab it. Some people, like the pigs and the dogs, see this good news about Jesus, hear the stories about the kingdom of heaven, but they don't get it. Actually, if you sort of dig around into the meaning of the parable a bit more, you find that they can't, they can't quite digest it. And actually, when they hear the story of the good news about Jesus, what does it make them do? Maybe you've encountered a bit of this. It makes them angry. It makes them angry because, because it's something that asks them to, to give something away, to lose stuff, to sacrifice stuff. It's not just there to fill them up. It hacks them off. What does it mean? Some people have understood this to mean... Don't bother with certain people. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Leave them all together. I think we've quite commonly understood it, you know, understood it to mean that. I don't think that squares with Jesus. Jesus seemed to be bothered about absolutely everyone. I think what it means is, look, Jesus is saying, look, you need to know, you need to know what you're dealing with and who you're dealing with. You need to know what treasure this is. And you need to know the trouble with people accepting this treasure. Jesus says, some people just want stuff that's going to fill them up. Some people just want stuff that's going to serve them. Some people, some people aren't going to get this. You're going to get hurt if you try to explain this to people. This is going to be tricky. 
you might need to, and I think I've got the meaning of this parable right, you might need to go at a slower pace with this person. They might not be able to deal with this pearl for a long time. This might always break their teeth. They might always get hacked off about this. I don't think it tells us to drop people. I think it says to us, you need to really know who you're dealing with here. You need to know the nature of humanity. Jesus calls them pigs. He's not just picked that animal out by accident. He says these are going to have a, people are going to have a real hard time digesting this. I think this is the wisdom behind the text. If you want to see people fairly, you've got to know who you're dealing with. You've got to know that people are going to hate what's holy. Now here's the thing, I don't know if you spotted it or experienced it as a Christian, but it puts us in a, it puts us in a dilemma, I think. You see the dilemma that we're in? You see the tension? that Je- you see the place that Jesus has put us in? He said to us, don't judge anyone. Don't judge anyone. He's, he's enlightened us. He's empowered us by his resurrection. He's like said, you're in a position now where you know what's right and you know what's holy. But at the same time, he says, you're going to, do you see where we are? You're going to need to judge. You're going you're gonna to need to do, if, if you want to see people fairly, you're going to need to do some self-assessment. You're gonna, and you're in this spot as a Christian where you're aware of what it is to be holy. You're aware, you know, you're where you're living this holy, called out life. You're like, you're hanging on for holy, you're heading up to heaven. But at the same time, you're aware of how rubbish the world is. You're aware that there's people who want to bite you because of this. You're aware of the people that hate you. Do you see the tension that we're in? Do you see the, trick, the tricky spot that we're in? How do we act as holy people and not, not become snobs? How do, how do we act as holy people and it not ruin us? How do we live these called out holy lives, even though we look around and see that that's not how everybody lives. How do, how do we not judge? How do we see people fairly and not judge? It's, it's when we're in this spot. So you think you, you think you got in this spot. Has Jesus messed this up? He's not. He's put us here. We're the salt of the earth. This is exactly where we're supposed to be. So you're going, well, how do I do this? This, this is the point when I see this tension that I realize I realize that the cross and the gospel is the only hope of seeing people fairly. Cross and the gospel is the only hope because I can't do that. If I'm looking at somebody close enough to know that they're false, then I'm judging them on my own. But you see what the cross does? And I don't know anything else that takes us to this place. The cross makes us righteous, sets us on a holy path, but at the same time as it does that, like it lifts us up. It puts us almost on our high horse, if you know what I mean. Able to look around and see how life is. But at the same time as it exalts us, lifts us up, it lets us know, because it's Jesus that died and not us, that the fact that we're up there, the fact that we're exalted and the fact that we're righteous has got absolutely naught to do with us. Nothing. And it means that it's possible to be in both places and not judge. Only, this is my best bet, only the cross can take your judgment or your judgmental heart and turn it around.